Welcome to Film Fight Club with my favorite introduction ever. This is Glenn Falkenstein for Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, hello. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Bibbidi bop, scoobidi boop bop. Now, that was the introduction to uh, one of probably the most iconic Disney film of our lifetime, maybe of the past, of the past 50 years even. And we'll be talking about that. In a moment, and we're not talking. We know there's another film coming out very shortly. Very eerily similar name. It's, it's well. actually yeah. it's out today. It's out. So it is out today. An animation. It is an animation. It is not an a animated live film. A and new animated version of the Lion King. <laughs> yes, we, we won't be talking about that. We'll be talking about the original Our Beloved, which we just realised was actually the first film. Not just all three of us saw it in cinemas. We didn't see it together. We weren't film Fight Club back no, then. That's right. <laughs> but we did actually. It was the first film each of us saw. At the movies. I think it, it, this film's had a, a big impact on so many people, which is why we, we have this much hyped new release, which uh, is yeah. bound to disappoint, which is great. Well, we, are, we, will, we will talk about it. We, have, we, we haven't seen we it. We haven't so we seen it. But there's... I don't know how you could... Well, it's statedly, look, their eyes are dead in all the previews. Yeah, the thing about this film, I haven't seen it, um, but so I... I Normally have a rule not to criticize films that I haven't seen, but um, we will be rule breaking today. Yeah, I will. Um, okay, so I missed the critic screening, and I don't want to give money to this because it seems like almost unprecedented in the level of corporate, you know, cynical exploitation of nostalgia going on with this film. Um, if, if you, you're not aware, it's almost identical to the original film in terms of um, shots and script, as far as I'm told. However, it's rendered in a photorealistic style, which seems to just clash with the idea of like an all-singing-all-dancing musical. I don't understand what the thinking is. I mean, again, I haven't seen the film, but what is the thinking behind the lions shouldn't have expressive faces, but we're going to have them singing these really zany songs that were written for expressive cartoon characters. Yeah, it, it kind of just feels like you have, you know, cardboard cutouts just standing there and somebody else voicing a voiceover over them and it just feels not in sync. Well, we're, we're uh, saying this based on yeah, clips. Yeah, we, we will see the film. And At some point. I, 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 the, I the thing is, I just don't want to give money to this, having missed the previous okay, screenings. So it's what, like... what, what I do know about it, um, there's just a few things. I remember when in Aladdin when... There's a line about, you know, open your eyes on the carpet and her eyes are already open. They're not closed in the new version. It's kind of like how in the Can You Feel the Love Tonight scene, it takes place during the day. It's just one of those things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. like, but, like but, you, you, We appreciate you <clears throat> wanted to change things, but... Uh, the, it just... I, I'll admit, I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of this movie, though. Like, I think it really says something about how ruthlessly corporate Hollywood has... I mean, it, Hollywood's always been about making money. But man, this is this is something new. Yeah, like, you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like really, much. really, like it's not really a remake of the Lion King in the sense of making a new take on it. If you're almost following the script, reusing mostly the same lines, um, and a lot of the time, literally using the same framing and shots. 
I'm especially surprised given that this is John Travaux who did The Jungle Book. That was quite an interesting new take on the original story. No. More to that, it had a human in it. This is not that. We're seeing the exact same story, but the photorealistic, as interesting as it can be to see um, a version of lines. So you could just go to Taronga Zoo or fly well, to Africa. You know, what would be an interesting photorealistic version is something like a nature documentary where we're just watching a plot like The Lion King take <laughs> place watching yeah. Yeah, watching but, some animals roaming around. That yeah. could be kind well, of yeah. an interesting Basically, experiment. with a narration by Sir Richard Attenborough. So that'd, yeah. that'd be great. You know, and, be like, but, and, and he does have the Hamlet kind of voice going but for it. What is this film? And like, why was it made and who is it actually for? Well, it's made... Look, I, I say cynically it's made for money, but the funny thing about The Lion King is that it is not just Disney's most successful creative property. It is the world's most successful individual creative property. Look at the merchandising, the film, the, the musical. musical. And this, on top of that, it's just going to solidify this as the most successful creative piece of all time. It's, uh, yes. No I, no, I don't think so. I think but, it's going to bring it down, if but, anything else. But, but then we're going to make... Uh, okay, Two points to that. The musical is an interesting thing to bring up because the musical shows that you can easily reinterpret. I mean, the musical's using the same songs, but it's yeah, the, some actual, different the, the, songs. Well, he new lives and use actually first from the musical and the second film. It's the best song in the whole Lion King canon. I've heard people say that, uh, but no, it's not. The Circle of Life is a, is a much better song. The Circle of Life is a beautiful song, and I love the addition. He lives and you is like it's a great '80s pop song, but it's not an '80s pop. It sounds song. like '80s pop. I, I think he uses the, Afri- he uses the African and the guy, rhythms much better than Circle of Life. Guys, the, you're missing the point. It's written by Lebo M. Be Prepared Not is by... the best line. Be Prepared song. is the best villain song, and it's... Pro- I, I prefer... Circle Life and Be Prepared, I can't even begin to decide. They're, but, so, they're so different. But I think you're right in that it's about the brand extension. Um, I think it's about the Lion King has been this successful for us so far what's a way that we can get it back into cinemas but people love it so much let's not actually change anything um well they they tried because they released two Lion King sequels I only saw the second one it was terrible yeah the director video I never saw the the Simone and Pumbaa it was the Disney 90s thing of doing direct to video movies but the the other side of it is that I was chatting to a friend last night who I saw again tonight he hasn't seen the Lion King so wow. you might go see this. There are plenty of people who haven't seen it. Or I wouldn't think there'd be many. But the, pro- the problem is, if they go and see this, that would completely ruin their exper- experience of what The Lion King is supposed to stand for. Not necessarily. For. Again, we haven't seen it. We will, you do want to discuss. Look, there was no, a, a it still film. be underwhelming there compared was a, to the animated one. There was a tweet going around um, from Craig Mezzin, who wrote um, Chernobyl, at, who was saying, uh, you know, people complaining about this. Well, Hamlet's just, you know... Of the basis of the Lion King, like it wasn't new back then, and like let the kids enjoy. Yeah, it's not about the story though. But yeah, the thing is, it's about the it's, treatment. It's not even Hamlet. No, I it's mean, not it's Hamlet. More based on, it's more biblical than it is Hamlet. Honestly, it, it it's, takes. Which is why DreamWorks brought up the Prince of Egypt two it, years later. It takes with Brenda <laughs> Chapman. And that was great as well. Actually. Brenda Chapman was, yes. who was who directed the Prince of Egypt. Was very strongly heavily involved in the Lion King as well. Um, but uh, both great films. But um, the thing about the, that comparison is. The Lion King is a different is you know takes inspiration from Hamlet, but it's something different. Lion King can be reinterpreted into something different, as you can see from the musical. This, by all measures, other than this seemingly wrongheaded idea of making a story which is about uh, anthropomorphized lions who sing, photorealistic, is just the same movie. Um, but also, I don't think it's aimed at kids. The whole idea of let the kids enjoy is like missing just quite how cynical this whole scheme is. If you look at the marketing, 
it's totally aimed at adults. The scheme. <laughs> Be prepared for the murkiest scheme. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you do sound like Scar. Yeah, it's it's aimed at the adults it, who grew up with the Lion who King. Want to take, who will take their kids. Exactly. Yeah. They know that at this point, uh, uh, parents get to choose something, uh, you know, like what's something safe to take to the kids to. Oh, I love the Lion King. It's Oh, it's not changed from the original. So I know that it's going to be something that I'm okay with because, you know, I, I loved it. That's all it is. Look, a note on this film, it goes in that the, the, that Final Fantasy film ideological direction of if it as as realistic as can be, people find it appealing. But that's never been the appeal of a film generally, of animated musicals or whatever. It is about a story that is compelling and it is not simply seeing yourself or anything else as realistic as possibly. If I wanted to do that, I'm just going to go back to Kruger Park and actually watch Lions and Giraffes rather than seeing it as real as drunk or provoke and manage it. Well, what you say, but it's just so absurd, the disconnect, as we, I've kept hammering on about the realism um, with this kind of material. But um, to go back to what you were saying before about this isn't what you know draws people to animated musicals and this isn't what kids enjoy... The Lion King was made the way it was made because it's a cartoon and kids love you know bright exaggerated cartoony designs. The new Lion King um I don't think that look appeals to kids. If you look at what appeals to kids these days it's it's things like minions. Kids still love cartoons and I think Disney know this in their hearts too because if you look at the merchandising for this new film most of it is using the designs from the original 1994 film not from the new one. They know that so yes. clearly this is not aimed at kids. This is a way to get try and make money from everyone because the Lion King is that popular. Yes, uh, but let's let's go back to something more happier memories. Let's go back to so our very first experience in the cinemas, ninety four, the original Lion King, and the reason it worked, I think, it because not only because it was yeah, just actually so we are spoiling this film. This is a spoiler. <laughs> oh, god, Lion King. If you have not seen it, you've but, been warned. But but honestly, you know, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> who has not seen this movie? But the thing is, like you know, as one of the very first experiences of cinema. This film is largely responsible for making you fall in love with the movies. If you think about it, if if I think back, and if the first very first movie in the theaters that I saw was terrible, would I have been that big a fan of the movies eventually? I, Maybe not. I have some very faint recollection of I I don't know if it's an invention fabricated from watching it later on VHS and building that on. It's it's hard to say with these kinds of early memories, but I'm pretty sure I remember seeing in the cinema a bit of the "I just can't wait to be king" sequence and and that a f- like a few seconds of that is just seared in my memory because it's such an explosion of motion and color. I, I remember I remember walking into the cinema. It was the first time I was ever in a cinema. And it was something special because we were in Southern Africa at the time. And that music, it's music I very much grew up with in my house and around the place. And to see it on the big screen and to be the first film I ever saw was and remains really, really special. And it was more and remains soon when we came over here. I was mimicking Jeremy Irons' Scar accent for an eternity after that. And then, yeah. Be prepared was, for a mercy. You know, oh, uh, yeah, so whatever. You know, and, I, and, I, and I did think that I had a very good, you know, uh, accent down pat. And that was terrible. It wasn't really good. But I really thought so. It's probably the best villain song. I mean, how he is... They're all absurdly well cast. I've actually, I've actually, I'll i qualify that. I think Matthew Broderick and Taylor Thomas, the guy who played Randy on Home Improvement, Warwick Kelly, they're all fine. The more creative voice actors, Rowan Atkinson, Jeremy Irons, of course, James Earl Jones, um, Cheech Martin, I'd say, were, 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 were ideal. Nathan yeah. Lane. Nathan Lane, Ernie Sabella, amazing. Um, watching the film again recently, just for the beginning, I was thinking, like, 
uh, through the opening stretches, man, Jeremy Irons and Rowan Atkinson are holding this whole thing together because <laughs> yes. they're so expressive and funny and alive. And, and, oh, and, and part of the reason... between them riffing off each other um, where they're just bringing up a small world and the coconut yeah, yeah, yeah. song. Yeah, it's oh, great. so good. And part of it, why I think it works as well because the animators worked with the voice actors to actually bring their personalities to life. Well, that was the... That was the uh, process for Disney animation back then. Pretty much. And I think, which is what it doesn't do well. You know, from what the clips I've seen of the, the new version of this movie is that it just kind of feels like you have still images of lines and then somebody lip syncing well, over them. Because their faces are barely moving. Yeah. Because it, it's not realistic. I know. Yet they're talking. Like, what? But, but anyway. part of the fun of The Lion King is the flights of fancy. You want to go in this world of make-believe. And I think... well. It Taking opens, that away from the Lion King is its biggest, you know. How can he mess with that? The new one opens so so well, right? With the um, because the, the original, sorry, the original theme, I mean, yeah. not the new one. Yeah. yeah. Go back to talking about the film we we all know and <laughs> love, the '94 movie. The, the, yeah. That, just, can you imagine? Just, just if you if you've forgotten, remember the opening shot of the Lion King is just the sun with the audio clip we played rising. Yeah. And then and they recreate the sequence in the Aladdin in Aladdin where they go over the sand and they zoom up. It's Agrabah. that same thing except they zoom up quickly over the stampeding antelope. And it's Pride Rock. It's beautiful cinematography. Oh, Look, no, the thing about into the movie. that that whole opening sequence is like high point of what Disney animation achieved. I think. I think it's like it's on par with Fantasia, the the sync to the music. Um, it's really, really. Uh, if anything, the rest of the film never lives up to the opening circle <laughs> yeah. of life sequence yeah. because it's it, so epic. It's like uh, it's like opening uh, of two thousand and one almost. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's in a level. You know, the it's this cloud big... sequence um, where he sees Bafasa again was stunning. And um, I don't it's... think it's I don't think it's the same level of artistry going on. And because first of all, the circle of life is just a beautiful song. Oh, is, all the songs in this film and are incredible. I like the fact that we've introduced me to Elton John too. Right. Yeah, as a little kid. Still, right. still very grateful oh, to this God. day. Um, and th- yeah, the, the the sun poking through. The thing about this it's sequence is... So emotionally uplifting, right? Yeah, but the the filmmaking is so um, is so good that you ignore the nonsense of why are all these prey animals coming and bowing down to the alpha predator. <laughs> like, we love you. Please eat us. Make us part of the circle of life. Talk, yeah. Talking about but, alpha you know, predators. It's realistic, right? Because that's just how monarchies work. The, the, <laughs> Eat and bow down and love and love the the person who's going to eat them. We're getting pretty political. So, Chris, <laughs> talking about the alpha predators and people bowing down to them, you have a hot take about. Oh this no, movie. I don't. I don't want to um, spoil the love in so early. Let's just okay. <laughs> let's continue on, let's um, continue I'll, I'll on the love Yeah, yeah. A couple of highlights of this. The de- it I think still defines for a lot of people, not broadly, and in terms of cinema, um, father son patriarchal relationships and relationships between parents and children more generally. Um, the yeah, the whole time where... I was watching Black Panther, I was just thinking Lion King. Oh, it's so similar. Lion yeah. King. Lion King. So, so is uh, John Favreau's Jungle Book movie. It was a hybrid of the Jungle Book and the Lion King. And I'm going to... People talk about the moment in Bambi um, where the hunter shoots Bambi's mom as this great loss of innocence moment. Um, the equivalent is obviously the death of Mufasa well, for our generation. We... I think it's actually much more impactful. Here's, yeah, the thing about The Lion King is it's so well-directed. Like, it is. Again, it we're is. talking it about really that, is. that circle of life scene. And then um, the, this, the, the storyboarding the scene, is so good in this movie. Yeah, the scene where Mufasa dies... Like the way that, oh like the the, God, the yeah. light moving yeah. away, so just his eyes shine when he's being t- t- when Scar says "Long, Long live, live the king." The, king. the way the, he the, says yeah. that, oh the, my the God! Framing the framing yeah. of zooming out from the zooming out from Simba. I'm um, same s- as the the, the Hitchcock, launching himself from the the vertigo, yeah, into the onto the rock. Yes, the vertigo zoom at 
at yeah. Simba when he sees the stampede yeah. coming towards him, and <laughs> wow, it, not just yeah. directed in terms of, in the ways of live action film in terms of the shot, uh, um, the, the cinematography like we're talking about now, but also just the way that they directed the animation, like the um, the the I just can't wait to be king sequence is so expressive with color, the way everything just turns neon. The whole movie mm. uses color really, really and well. And actually, Riff saw Fantasia because the ostriches are twirling around there. Ah, it's the exact right. same thing. I, I never made that connection. But um, on just on the stampede sequence, and its I don't think it's even a criticism, it's more observation, but Disney have famously and infamously borrowed motifs. Um, I know Robin Hood, the Robin Hood movie, borrowed very heavily from the Jungle Book movie in terms of the depiction of the bear, for instance. Um, the moment where Mufasa is climbing up the rock, it's not just the same movement, but it's the same shot composition as the beast climbing up the castle at the end of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's cool. And it's, it's yeah, it was, like, I'm going to take it as more of a homage than anything else. And But also, it's interesting because in animation you can do that. You can use similar movements, but with different characters. And, still... and they can study what, they, what they've used before and reuse yeah. what works. But the yeah. thing is, like, even with the similar movements, they're characteristically as personalities so different that even, you know, like even with the Jungle Book, and, you know, you, you have those similar movements happening across time, even with Mickey Mouse. That's also interesting how that iterations they've used similar Mickey Mouse movements over time, and yet Mickey Mouse as a character has grown immensely. So, yeah, it's, animation is cool. Um, and uh, so just to note something about this film, Moira Kelly is in this. She plays adult Nala, who was oh, Mandy yeah. on The West I, Wing. Not I only was so she Manny, Mandy on The West Wing, but she was Donna in David Lynch's Twin Peaks, Fire oh, Walk With Me. I had, yeah. So just had to reference, yeah, yeah, cool, sure, reference cool. David Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Of course, <laughs> we take that off. We're talking about Disney and our favorite movie from our childhood. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. This is a Disney movies, The Straight Story, directed by David Lynch. Look, this is a happy episode, guys. We're in a happy place, Okay. And yeah. the and, and returning the best villain song, be prepared. Oh, okay. I, I be prepared. I, I have for some hot takes. I need to mention some uh, some negatives in this movie that I, I noticed on the rewatch. All right. So, um, I I what I've heard many times over the years, or maybe only a few times, but it's stuck in my mind this idea of the hyenas are black people, right? Um, so I guess it was at the back of my mind watching it. Um, and maybe it's not direct. Maybe they're not intended directly to be. You know, these are analogous to black people in the movie. But man, the the politics of the way the hyenas are depicted is kind of weird because they they live outside of the um, the nice pride lands that the sun touches in their elephant graveyard. Yeah, it, it is made very clear that this is a different realm, that the lion, the pride, do not have control here. They invade the land, actually, yeah. at several points in the film. Right. Well, the hyenas. Um, well, the hyenas don't don't actually invade the land. No, and... I mean the lion Simba oh. invaded the elephant graveyard. Yeah, yeah, was... yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a different land, but it's a land of starvation because, you know, you can see they're all really happy to be handed some scraps by Scar, and that's the reason why they're able to, um, why he's able to get them on side because Scar says, join me and you'll never be hungry again. Um, so Yeah, he's appealing to his very basic necessities. You know, the bit where they're all like, ha, 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 because he's providing them with some scraps of, of the kind of food that uh, grows outside the elephant yeah. graveyard. So... Basically, the hyenas are disadvantaged, but I can't see that the hyenas actually ever did anything wrong or evil in the movie. 
And so when later on... Um, if anything, when, it is a failing of the pride system where if right. the lions can't take care of the hyenas, like they're going hungry, like so, part of your population the, is... the pride system. The pride is just about taking... The pride is just about taking care of your lions okay, and but, cubs. Like that's, no, that's if, all if, the okay, so, if you're ruling over a kingdom of other animals who are bowing down to you, then it's your responsibility as, as a monarch to actually... But the, the only part of ruling is, as they say, eat the antelopes. The antelope become the grass and the grass but, become the feed and... <laughs> Well, I think we're not supposed to think about it this deeply. There's no, we have no idea how the pride monarch works, but whatever. It's all a lordship. It controls like a little piece of Kenya. I, like, I think so. Yeah, but um, the the when Scar becomes king and he says, you know, I'll we'll create a new union between lions and uh, hyenas and scary music plays, and everyone goes. <gasps> I was thinking, hang on. What's so bad about the hyenas? Yeah, that was pretty like, progressive. I, they haven't actually. like scary music plays whenever they're on screen, but I never actually saw that there's any. I was thinking, great, you know, we uh, come great coming together, like share the wealth. But, but actually, the, the, like Scar's uh, politics and his ideas of what kind of world he wants to rule over, it's not really. It doesn't bad. S- seem to be bad if he wants to create. Like I can't see the what's bad about the hyenas. The only reason he's evil is because he's just Other killed Mufasa, yeah. and, and because he destroys the natural resources of his entire, you know, area. No, okay, no, but that's, that, right. that's bad. But, uh, no, no, but, but he has progressive ideas about what egalitarian society is. They're not progressive at all. Both of them are feudal rulers, but um, <laughs> who talk about and, and Simba too. I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> these aren't great examples of things we should aspire to. No, they're not. Yeah, at least we're acknowledging that that dynasty politics is a bad thing. But yeah, but but. But back to the hyenas, um, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with them. You could say, oh, they try to attack, uh, you know, the the little cubs when they come into their land. Yeah, because but they're hungry. Scar's instigation. Yeah, but one, yeah, but one that was Scar's instigation, and two, Nala tries to attack Pumba later in the movie. It's just like the way things go, especially if if they're that hungry, right? Um, so then later on, when the when we see what um has become of the Pride Lands under Scar, suddenly I um. I was like, you see that it's become like the elephant graveyard in the way it's depicted with all the bones and stuff everywhere and the dark colored skies. And I was like, okay, so the hyenas have come in and sprayed their graffiti everywhere. Like, um, um, but all all that is like, it's just not pretty anymore, which is all right. I mean, why does the pride land? The the implication is that there's no food anymore, but is that because they let the hyenas in? I can't see any other reason why there'd be a shortage of food. And if that's the case, then isn't that just like a really, like the hyenas are just screwed? Like the hyenas live in their their place where they're scrounging for food, and if we let them into our place, we'll all be scrounging for food. So we'll all be better happily ever after if the hyenas just go back to their ghetto and be starving, and we get to enjoy all the food. But I think it's like, I, I, I think there's another element to play here. It's, if we get to look at it on this level, it's more for me that this idea of beauty and non-beauty disparity. If you're beautiful like a lion or a lioness, you're good. And if you are beautiful yeah. like a hyena, then you're not good. And I'll extend that to Scar. I've talked about on the show before how characters, how someone having a Scar is shorthand for being a bad guy. It yeah. annoys me very much on a personal level. And um, Scar, he's so he's treated so badly, his name is somehow Scar because he has um, the scar, scar, in, scar his in his face. face yeah. And therefore, he must therefore be he a must bad be guy. Bad. We know this. Our first introduction to him is him picking up a, a rat or a a mouse and saying Life's life is not, not fair. fair. You already know he's got a scar. This is the bad, bad guy. guy, and it's the same shorthand right. used for the hyenas. There's actually a, even you can go even further in terms of this shorthand and the weird messages that because I think it's worth picking up. People could say well, you're going too far. You're being too woke in analyzing this movie. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. King, I really like the movie, but I think it is worth picking up on these messages because it's it's something that you showed to little kids. 
Like, and, and it's reinforcing if anything, like, a lot of those ideas. Noticing the yeah, noticing these things means that, that we can be what, smarter the, in the way that we put and, out movies and, for kids in the future. And I remember what the thing with Scar and Scar did actually bother me as a tiny yeah. little kid. Look, you could go further um, on this one. It's complicated because the um, you know we've got Mufasa and is what's her name again? Uh, the the mother of Simba. Uh, oh, Simba's mom. Um, <laughs> a voice by black actors, right? But. Otherwise, you could say, isn't there some kind of color coding of dark equals bad going on in this movie, which is particularly egregious for something set in Africa? Scar <laughs> is the only dark colored lion, and he's the evil one, and he teams up with the dark colored hyenas who are voiced by black and Mexican people. But so also, like, but also at the same time, I mean, you look at that and you see, you know, someone like Scar. Mufasa as a character is pretty boring. I mean, James Earl Jones does bring a lot of gravitas, but as a personality, Mufasa is kind of like pretty dry and pretty bland and he's not really someone who infuses any kind of rigor into it. Scar actually is more fun. Yeah, Scar Scar's a much more interesting character. Um we would so that is that is the Lion King. Yep. It is on D V D and soon on Disney's streaming channel. It's on act- Stan. It's on Stan, yes. Yeah. The act the new Lion King is We stand the Lion King. <laughs> um, the other thing we want to talk about in our last five minutes is something that is in cinemas tomorrow, which is Apollo eleven, uh, which timed with the fiftieth anniversary of the moon landing, um the greatest fictional story ever told. So <laughs> <laughs> this one wasn't as good as Kubrick's <laughs> version, good. I have to say. Yeah, no, not not in the slightest. Best joke you ever made, Glenn. This is a film by uh, Todd Douglas Miller, where he and a number of NASA archivists and researchers put to, got to get through 11,000 hours of footage, some unseen, some seen, to put together based on all archival footage and then contemporaneous commentary and account of the Apollo 11 mission from just before takeoff to the mission itself and its aftermath. I really like this film. I would be I was surprised, thought, you know, there's nothing really new to learn here. It's like you can't really do a suspense film about the moon landing, but they did. And I found First Man covered a lot of this in fact the exact same territory last year. This was much more compelling and interestingly and I'll get into this comparison in a bit, but uh, films that Interstellar is an example, films that have pursued this area of space exploration have similar sequences to this film, but um similar to, way of depicting it. Um, similar shots. The uh, the first, there's an interstellar, the docking sequence in Interstellar, the landing sequence in First Man, uh, both of those are recreated here based on the actual inspiration. And although we know exactly what happens, showing the actual footage is much more grounding and much more interesting, particularly the way they put it together. Yeah, I, look, I think it's hard not to be stirred by it because it is such an incredible moment in history. And some of the um, scenes in this really give you a sense of that. Like, um, just the all the techni- images of technicians at NASA, um, as well as the scenes of people gathering to watch um, the at Cape Canaveral, um, beautiful imagery. It needs to be stated how incredible this footage is. I think a lot of people are blown away at how crisp it is. A lot of this is taken with seventy millimeter cameras, and it it just looks absolutely pristine. It looks like the moon landing happened yesterday, um, outside of the fashions. Um, but the uh, I did. Um, Look, it's difficult to create, as you say, a suspense thing that brings you into this um, as if it were happening now, because it is such familiar fo- uh, territory. I'd seen, I'd gotten past the shock of how crisp this footage looked. Um, with though th- a lot of this is unseen footage in this new film, but I saw a similarly beautiful imagery in um, in the shadow of the moon. I think, yeah, this has been covered so many times. There's that film is for all mankind. Um, many, many documentaries have gone to this place before. Um, and so the question is, what did this offer that was new? The main idea is, as you're saying, making it a, a suspense film as if it's um, playing out like like a drama. 
um, as if it were not a documentary because it's all found footage with no talking heads, um, all original footage from the time. But there was, there was a kind of strange disconnect for me because um, it's made in, in such a conventional Hollywood thriller style in all ways except for all that we can hear is radio chatter from the time. And I, I liked that. And it situated you there much better than any number of talking heads could have. I suppose so. I think I just, I think the, the, for me, there was a kind of discordant effect between the really like rumbling Hollywood score and the editing style, and then only hearing the radio talk. And um, it, it made me aware of how much of a construct this was. Like, I started thinking about how all the sound was Foley effects. Um, it, it was sort of strangely distancing when this is trying to really put you in the moment for me. I still really enjoyed it and parts were really stirring. You see, that didn't bother me because I found the momentum was kept up whenever they had either this type of sound design, particularly the sequence of the liftoff was done really well. What did bother me was when, when the film absolutely lost momentum when there was a lack of sound or sound design and that was when they were actually on the moon. When they felt they had to include this, but it became very procedural and much less interesting than the takeoff or even the moon uh, when they returned to Earth later so that is apollo 11 mm. it's I, th- I think it's worth seeing i think it is just remember that it's more about trying to create an experience of sensation but it, i in doing that i feel like it is a little bit surface level but it is still an enjoyable documentary and it's always good for a reminder of what an amazing achievement this was and if you are a fan of this sort of cinema and this sort of history you will learn a lot because i also saw a lot of footage uh, thrilling i've never seen before a lot of it is actually brand new for this film So that is Apollo 11. It is in cinemas tomorrow, um, as is The Lion King. And The Lion King, the the Lion King we all love and know, is on San. And, and everywhere. everywhere. Um, next, tune in next week. We'll be talking with Benson Wu, the director of the Taiwan Film Festival, which is screening at Event Cinemas from the 25th through to the 28th of July. That program is now out. And you can look it up on the Taiwan Film Festival, the Event Cinemas website. And stay tuned for The Sonic Assassin, which is coming up next. We're going to probably go and watch more Disney films and we're going to be just be singing Be Prepared if you're anywhere near Broadway now and just like rocking out to yeah, it's, it's, Lion King. It's pretty great. Happy birthday, Wong Kar Wai. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday, Wong Kar Wai. Great, great director. He's making a new film now finally again. Yes. Be prepared. Be prepared for that. Be prepared for that. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans and Bright Nehru. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Good night. <laughs>